Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss Chiefs and where they stand with some important historical ramifications. Uh, obviously a tough week for everybody um, after, uh, after the goings-on with the, with the police and George Floyd. Um, so a very down week for everyone. So something a little bit more uplifting regarding race relations is it's, it's really important that the listeners know that the Chiefs have a really excellent history with that. Uh, really in the 60s, they actually had an African-American scout named Lloyd Wells very ahead of the time. And Hank Stram and Lamar Hunt were very progressive and very ahead of the time. And, you know, that football team, that Super Bowl winning team of 50 years ago, um, with some of their best players were from historically black colleges who had been ignored by other teams. In fact, in 1966, eight of the Chiefs' 22 starters were black. And the Super Bowl four team, uh, the team had 23 African-American players, 13 of whom were starters. So it, it's, it's really a historical note that, that should, be, uh, should be appreciated for sure, Joe. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. And it has been, a, it's been a really rough week. And, and you know, when you look at um, some of the things that have transpired and, and you look historically and, you know, when you think about the Hunt family and you think about, you know, what, what Willie Lanier has said, you know, L- Willie did an interview and, uh, you know, they wrote an article about it back in October of, of 2019. And I was checking that out. Um, when we were getting ready and prepping for the pod and, 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 you know, you know, coming from a guy like Willie Lanier, who I was had the incredible privilege and honor of getting to meet, you know, is probably the guy that redefined what the middle linebacker position was. Wow. Right. Yeah. When, you, when you look at, at Willie Lanier and you think about Buck Buchanan, uh, you think about Bobby Bell. I mean, they were innovators. Um, yeah. You know, they were, when you think about them at their positions, they really defined uh, what the position was and, and how it would go forward in the future of football, right? When, when in, in the modern game, we'll call it. And, um, you know, the Hunt family and, and, and basically, uh, you know, Willie in, in, in his interview and article, you know, he said, I, look, I owe, I owe everything to, to Lamar Hunt, you know, as, as it relates to his career, giving him a chance to prove himself and to come out of a small historically black college. You know, Willie didn't get a lot of you know, big division one scholarship offers and things coming out of high school. So, you know, to hear somebody like that, um, you know, a a person of color an African-American to to talk about somebody like that. And I, and I think what, I think what the Hunt family does, and I think what Lamar did is what we should all be striving for, right? We should all be striving to not just look beyond color or, or say that I'm not a racist or, you know, I've never been a racist. I don't see color, right? We hear we hear that term a lot these days, but I think what what we need to do, and I think what Lamar Hunt did, you know, almost 50 plus years ago, what he was able to do was take action on it, mm-hmm. and to say, you know what, this isn't this isn't about color, 
you know, this, you know, it's more than just this isn't about color. I, you know, I don't see black. I don't see white. I don't see this. I don't see that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have to go beyond that. I think that's the lesson we really learned this week. Um, and I think I hear it from a lot of young people. I hear it from my daughters. I hear it from people of this next generation who's just pretty much had enough. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 not enough anymore to just say, well, I'm not racist. That, well, that's fine, and that's a great start. We don't we don't we don't want people to be racist, but at the same time, I think we all have a duty to do more than just say that. And and that's just the way that I feel about it. And you know, it, it's funny because there was another article I read, Carl Mecklenburg, and he was talking about how he, the guy he, he used was to play against right back in the, the Broncos. Yeah. He, he wrote an article about how, you know, he was in the racial minority as a white person, okay, for, you know, for the first time probably in his life, mm-hmm. you know, going into the NFL because, you know, the majority of the players playing the NFL happened to be African-American, right? And and he said at one, one time he was in purple, he was literally the only white player on the entire defense. And it was funny because to the players, he was Carl Mecklenburg. You know, he was he was a very he was very athletic, and um, you know it was um, you know oh Carl Carl Mecklenburg the athlete this the other thing, but to all of his teammates he wasn't like the white guy he was Mech, and and you know so there's just a, a you know it's an observation in 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 playing in the NFL that. You know, you're playing for the first time in your life, maybe, especially as a Caucasian or, or a white person, you're going to be operating in, in the minority. And it's and that's because it's just pure numbers, right, for the, for the first time. And 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 you, you it kind of it opens your eyes a little bit. And I was able to from the inside of a, of a microcosm of a locker room, be able to experience um, what what that was like. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting, uncomfortable feeling, you know, to be honest. And it just always made me much more empathetic to, you know, sort of the plight of the African-American in, in our society um, and, and, and the prejudices and, and the racism that they have had to face for so many years. And I think we've finally gotten to the point, you know, thanks to, social media, thanks to, I think, a generation that is sick of it, right? I think the youth of today, and I'll say, you know, the people who are under a certain age, call them the youth, they're just, they just had enough. And, and they're looking to not just look beyond color, they're looking to take action on it and to make sure that, that those kind of things don't happen anymore. And, and that I think, you know, playing team sports is, was, was always a great lesson in that, that it was really about, it was about the quality of play. It was about the chemistry, the teammate, you know, who was going to get in the trenches with you and, and who was going to sweat and bleed in the off season with you. And then, and then you kind of look beyond all of those other, extraneous things, you know, race, religion, creed, whatever it might be, background, socioeconomics. And, you know, you kind of just say, that's my teammate. And, you know, God, if we all could have lessons like that in our life. Sometimes the NFL can be the ultimate meritocracy, you know, with with that, because, um, because you are exposed to so many different kinds of people. Joe, so well said, I, I mean, uh, really well put. I could have said it better. And, and especially with your experience of being in a locker room like that, also very cool that you actually got to meet William Lanier, who we're talking about um, 
you know, the African-Americans mm-hmm. on, on those early Chiefs teams, the Super Bowl winning team. And, you know, Willie Lanier was really an ex- excellent, excellent example of what I was trying to say because he went to Morgan State, again, a, a smaller school mm-hmm. than he had to go to because African-Americans weren't uh, at that time. It wasn't so easy for them to go to the, the, the big programs. And he was excellent for the Chiefs. What was he like when he when you met him? And he did, did he discuss any of these challenges? You know, the thing about Willie is, 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 no, I, I think he, you know, from, from the conversations that I had had with him and, and conversations that I had heard he'd had with other players, it was all about what were they bringing to the game? You mm-hmm. know, what, what, what were they doing to the game? And, and, and he was one of those players that I always looked at. And, and I, I used to say this all the time when I was coaching high school football and trying to get the, the young people to understand that you're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? I mean, any anything, any organization that you're a part of, whether it's football or business or education or you know, you you pick the organization. You know, you're, you're always standing on the shoulders of giants. You're always standing on the people that have forged the way before you. And that and that's how we felt about that group of chiefs. And and that's how they made us feel. Um, they made us feel like, you know, number one without telling us that, that we, we, we should feel a real sense of privilege for playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and when you talk about Willie Lanier and Buck Buchanan and, and Bobby Bell and Jan Stenerud and Len Dawson and, you know, all those great players that, you know, I could sit here and list them all night long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you think about, um, about the way they made you feel. And when you looked at them, you said, you know, the – these are the these are the gentlemen that built the organization, and and we are standing on their shoulders, and we better go out there and represent. I mean, you heard it from Dana last week. I mean, the Chiefs have the most vibrant alumni organization mm-hmm. in the NFL. There's a reason why that stuff happens. You know, it starts at the top, and I know we we talk about the Hunt family a lot, but I, I'm telling you, there there is not. You know, I didn't play but off, but for you know one team and and a cup of coffee with another. You know, but I can tell you. That, that that organization has the best family behind it that, you know, that you could imagine if, you know, the best, if not the best, one of the best families that you could imagine um, that, that could own an NFL team. And it's all because of the way that the history that they built, right, that team and how they treated people with respect. Um, and, you know, and, and while I was kind of making the comment about how you don't see color, that was the that's where people like Lamar Hunt started. He started with the fact that he didn't see any of that. He saw talented players who made of made up of great character who were going to contribute to the organization in the best way that they could. Um, and then he went beyond that, which is what we all, like I was kind of saying, we all should do. And he took action on it and, and made a promise to, to those players that he was going to give them an opportunity to shine and to go out and be the best that, that they could be. Uh, and then again, like you said, it's the ultimate meritocracy and then, and then the best person wins and which is, which is what you want, right? When you're building a great team, you want the best 22 players out there. And, and that's how I think everybody always felt about Lamar Hunt. He, he gave everybody a, a chance, uh, regardless of, of where they were from or what, you know, what language they spoke or, you know, what the color of their skin or where they went to college or, you know, he just, he just. He, he beyond looking past all of that, he also took action on it, which is fantastic. He just didn't espouse the philosophy. He actually enacted on it and, and gave people those chances to shine. And, and I think that's, that just to me is 
one more feather in the Hunt family cap, one more thing that you can say about about how special um, the Chiefs organization is. And, and going back to my original point about, you know, how Danon was saying that, you know, it's you look at those players that come and they put those red jackets on the, you know, the ambassador group every Sunday and they're there. And, you know, to have such a vibrant group of people who want to keep giving back, that's a testament because otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be there. Right? They go on to their own lives, move back to their hometowns and do their thing. And, um, you know, I think that's why, I think that's why it's such a special place to play. And I think it's why, you know, a small market like Kansas city can attract players to come and stay and, you know, with the glamour of maybe L.A. or New York or Chicago might be there uh, for a lot of players. I think you you look at, at the players who come to Kansas City and they stay. They don't, you know, they, they do it because of the organization and, and, and what the Hunt family has built. And well said, Joe. And we're going to pause for a quick moment here before returning to our uh, podcast. For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Joe, you talked about the Hunt family that not only were they incredibly progressive, they took a lot of action. You know what's fun, fun for me to see? We, we've seen it in our guests. You know, Dana Hughes, as we introduced him, he was waving a Chiefs Super Bowl uh, banner. And uh, Louis Aguiar had all his Chiefs uh, memorabilia. Uh, the chief. The Chiefs, and a guy like Louis Aguiar, he played on several different teams. He coached the Jets somewhat recently. But, you know, they, they seem like more of a fans uh, mm-hmm. of the Chiefs and it's because of the Hunt family. When I was at the Super Bowl, it was so neat to see all the, all the different alumni and former players. I was in security right behind Nick Lowry, and he was talking about, you know, he, he was so excited about Mahomes and, and talking about how much the win meant to him. Really a credit to the Hunt family that all these – it could be easy to be, you know, uh, again, they played with other teams. They could even be perhaps – Bitter is too strong a word, but you know that they weren't the team that had 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 kind of ended the streak, whatever. But instead, they were all very supportive and all very excited that the Hunt family got to bring the Lamar Hunt Trophy uh, back to Kansas City. They're they're going to you know kind of be a little bit forgotten to a certain degree, and and to see a group of players kind of look past that and say, you know what, I'm just so happy for this team. I'm so happy for the Hunt family. It's just one more testament to the the fact that you know it's it's one of those organizations that everybody's proud to have been a part of whether they won the Super Bowl or didn't win the Super Bowl and 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 to see players be so happy and excited that that a new group of new crop of players came through to win for the Hunt family and for the city it really does warm your heart really to think about how how the players you know there was no ego there about it right it was like this is their time. We had our time. Now, you know, the success that this uh, team has, we're all going to share in it. And I got to give a lot of credit to the current players because I think they really knew that they were standing on the shoulders of giants too. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I think they portrayed that. And, and 
I think some, you know, a lot of the players came out and they, and they were pretty overt about it, you know, about saying how, look, this, we did this for all the players that went before us who couldn't get to this game, who couldn't win, win this one, you know, for the coach Schottenheimers of the world and, you know, and, and going all the way back to, you know, all those players that won that first Super Bowl. And, and that was really touching to hear the players talk about how they felt like there was a lot more went into this Super Bowl than just this team and, you know, and this draft, these draft picks and this team that has been built in the last couple of years. That's really cool. So, uh, so cool that they were cognizant of, of that. Uh, Joe, when you were playing for the Chiefs, um, were your teammates cognizant of the fact that uh, not only that these greats came before them, but they were really trailblazers. We mentioned uh, these guys from historical black colleges like Willie Lanier. Were they cognizant of that? And did, did they ever come, you know, speak to you before like a big Raiders game or something to talk about the old AFL game? What was your connection to some of these players? Oh, and yeah, just they, how, how much your teammates knew about them? They, we knew everything about those guys. We knew, we knew the history of those games. We knew the history of the players. We knew all about the – the you know the Chiefs coming from Dallas and 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 the Hunt family bringing the team um, to to the to Kansas City um, and you know and and why he picked Kansas City and you know because his, you know his friend was the mayor and he had a lot of business opportunities there and he fell in love with the city and he felt like they really needed a franchise because you know you know Lamar Hunt originally wanted to keep the team and start a new team in in Texas but. It just felt like there wasn't enough room there. So he said, you know what? Well, then I'm going to take it to a team that is going to really appreciate, you know, having a pro football franchise. And, you know, when he brought the team there, um, you know, a lot of those players, you know, a lot of players came with him. And, um, you know, it wasn't like he just, you know, started completely mm-hmm. fresh. So there was a lot of, of sort of baggage, I guess, that they had to get over in making that move to, to the Kansas City area. And, and the players knew all about that. Uh, they knew all about, you know, the, 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 the coaching, you know, the Hank Strams of the world. I remember, you know, the tearful memorial service that, you know, that wasn't technically a memorial service, but when they renamed Hank Stram way, you know, out in front of the executive offices at Arrowhead and just the outpouring of love for that guy that all the players were there, you know, sharing because, you know, he was one of those coaches that, you know, everybody wanted to play for And You just, you, you start, you start there and then, you know, you go on to, you know, some of the names that we mentioned before you think about Mac Lee Hill, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you think about, you know, and, and the, the naming of the awards that the Chiefs have, the Mac Lee Hill Award, you think about Joe Delaney, right? And his, the tragic story of, you know, trying to save those kids right, who, were, right. who were drowning and he ended up drowning himself and like the selflessness of, of an act like that, right? Where, you know, you can't swim, but yet you're going to try, try to save somebody else's life. I mean, we knew all those stories. We knew the storied tradition of, of Kansas city football. And it was, it was, it was definitely something we were all aware of and really relished those guys, those gentlemen being around us because they were there to help us and to teach us lessons. Again, well said. And we're going to segue here to, it's a little bit to create a, uh, a little difficult to create a, an interesting segue when we're talking about such weighty topics sure. like race. Yeah. So we'll just go straight into our ad here. And, and while you're waiting this one out at home, you can still have some fun bet, betting with our partner, betonline.ag. There's no NBA, NHL, or MLB, but don't worry, BetOnline still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on. NASCAR's back, Madden and NBA 2K simulations are on, 
UFC. There's an online casino with poker and blackjack. And be sure to check out the final dance with roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan documentary called The Last Dance. So there's still fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. Uh, you know, Joe, I was, I was going through uh, one of the books I edited, 100 Things Chiefs Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, because they do a really good job, Matt Folks did, in chronicling uh, how progressive the Chiefs were. The, the book is also fun because you appear several times. Uh, you're in the Mile High, that My High Magic oh. game, your, your reference. There's also, it has a lot of cool things to do. And one of the things is to visit Big Charlie's Saloon. And you're mentioned uh, in accordance with that. Anyhow, oh, nice. so very cool that, that, that um, a, a quote I wanted to share that they have Hank Stram quoted in here that I, th- I thought was great. Um, he said, to our guys, race didn't make a difference. I told them whether they were black, white, or polka dotted, we just wanted winners, which is, I think, a, kind of yeah. the mantra of the, of the Chiefs, you know, for sure. Yeah, for sure, Jeff. It, it's, that's a great quote. And, you know, it's, it's um, again, I'm going to, I keep using this word testament to testament to starting at the top, right? And the people that, that Lamar Hunt surrounded himself with and, and the way that they were able to build a franchise and be able to not just look past uh, race or look past color, but also to act on it and, and to, to help, you know, help African-Americans take that step forward into, into being a more progressive football team where everybody could uh, enjoy, uh, you know, being a part of a professional football franchise, no matter where they went to school, no matter the color of their skin, race, religion, hair color, whatever, you know, that was one thing that was really, really appreciated. I know I appreciated um, you know, being a part of the organization and, and, you know, coming out of a small school, um, you know, that, that, you know, it just, they just made you feel, they just made you feel really good. And, and that's one thing I think football does. I, I you know, football is such a little microcosm of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, if, you know, not to be, you know, cliche about it, but, you know, if, if we could all just take a little bit of a lesson when you, if you were to go through and talk to NFL players, you know, all of them will tell you that, you know, they, they, they will, they will tell you that, that in the locker room, just like, you know, Willie Lanier, just like Carl Mecklenburg, just like any other player that you'd ever talk to, it really was about who you were as a person and, and what you were able to do on the football field. And those were the things that defined people, not nothing else. And, you know, think about it. If you, if you, if you ever, you know, if you ever used your energy to go any other direction, but forward in, in the game of football, you're wasting energy, you know? And if you look to the right and you saw someone who had a different color skin, or you saw someone to your left who went to a different church then, or a different synagogue or mosque or whatever, you know, you're just wasting it. You're wasting energy. You know, you're not going forward with your teammates. You're not progressing. You're not, you're not moving the ball towards its, its goal. And, and that's something that I know a lesson that I took. Cause I, you know, to be honest, I, you know, my, the diversity in my life didn't really happen until I got to college. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to, you know, uh, I went to a high school that, you know, of 450 students, we probably, I grew up, you know, after we moved out of South Philadelphia, I grew up in, 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 um, 
Delaware County in, in Ridley Township outside of Philadelphia near the airport. And, you know, it's just, it was just happened to be mostly white town. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it was 450 students in my class. Maybe there was six or seven African-American students in my whole class. And, and so it just, you know, I didn't really grow up with that kind of, 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 um, uh, you know, exposure to diversity. And, you know, back then no one traveled in our town. We were, a, it was what I would call a lower middle class to upper lower class kind of, you know, working class economy, right. In our town. And so we didn't, I didn't go outside of my town. I didn't travel. Every, my exposure to the world was really television, you know, basically. So, um, you know, for me then to go to college where, you know, University of Pennsylvania, you know, all of a sudden now I'm exposed to all kinds of, of different mm-hmm. races, religions, creeds. And, you know, it was really, it was pretty amazing for me. That and it was, cool. it was, it was awesome. It was a, a lesson in diversity. And then, and then to go to playing the NFL and, 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 you know, kind of like technically, you know, kind of operating as a minority, right. As, as a white player, just looking at the roster, I'm not even making a statement. I'm just saying you look at the roster and who was that, who happened to be black and who happened to be white and you know, white players were definitely in the minority. And then you start to, you start to have that, you start to at least get to feel that empathy for, for, for people. Not that I ever had any prejudices against me. And I, you know, obviously was, was somebody who was as be, being white was always a part of, of having that, you know, that privilege that you hear about, right. And that we keep hearing about today. Not that I ever felt anything like that, but at the same time, you still feel, you know, a little bit like um, you feel a little different because you're not, you know, I went, I flip-flopped. I went from being in the majority to the minority in my, in my microcosm. And, you know, it's, it's, I, it's like almost, I almost wish everybody had, had that gift to be able to do that, to be able to, experience the closeness of the culture of different people uh, in their life and to get out of their shell and to get out of their bubble and to have more empathy. And we need more of that in our society. We need people to, to break those, those, those shells down and, and have exposure and, and be more empathetic and be more respectful and loving to their neighbor and, and everybody that they, you know, that we're sharing this planet with. And then a great point about, you know, that's one of the neat things about uh, college. I, I grew up in the, the, the Kansas City area. And then, and then when I went to Northwestern, it was also more diverse. And I ended up with friends of, of people with uh, different races and, and religions that I wasn't necessarily as exposed to uh, when I grew up in Kansas City. And for you, it, it's so cool that that happened at Penn. And then it sounds like it, it went to like another level of the NFL, where you mm-hmm. even became more immersed in, in different kind of cultures with the Chiefs. Yeah. And you just, you just learn how to, you just, you know, you know, fortunately you just learn how to gain a good respect for people and their, and their backgrounds and and an appreciation for what they've been through when you hear their stories and you get to know them and you're sweating and bleeding and and crying and laughing with them in the locker room and the ups and downs of being an NFL player. You know, it's, it's not all, it's not all guts and glory, man. It's, you know, there's a lot of tearful, moments when players are getting cut and players are, careers are ending because of injuries. And, <clears throat> you know, it, it can be really, really stressful too. And, 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 um, you know, to get to really know people and to really appreciate their backgrounds and what they've been through in their lives. Um, you know, when I think about some of, of, of my African-American teammates that, you know, I got to know their history and, and how they, how they grew up and what challenges they had. And it just gives you that, 
appreciation to act and not just say, well, I don't see color. I'm not a racist. You know, of course I'm not a racist. You know, I don't, I, I don't, see, but okay, that's fine. And that's a great, like I said, that's a great starting place, but you know, we gotta, we've got to take it further because we do have to understand and acknowledge that it is, you know, and be more educated about the things that we in our society and the things that have happened to people of color and people of different religions and, um, and some of the persecutions that have happened to certain groups of people. And we have to learn and be more educated about it and be more appreciative of <clears throat> what we can do to take action on those things for sure. Well said, Joe, and I hope that is the case. I hope we can all become a little bit more educated about this. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.